Hi, folks. Steve Urban here, founder and CEO at recruiting and consulting firm RiderFlex. If you think today's tip or guest interview can help someone you know, please share this with them. And if you enjoy listening to our show, please subscribe to our channel and hit the like button on the episodes. Finally, aside from our podcast, our day job here at RiderFlex is to provide recruiting, staffing, and consulting services. You can visit riderflex.com to learn more about us and get the information on the services we provide. And now, a quick word from our sponsor and friends at Marketing 360. Try the number one marketing platform for small business. Everything you need from design to marketing to CRM. Learn more at marketing360.com. Marketing 360, fuel your brand. Stephanie Nito on the Rider Flex podcast. Did I say that last name right? Almost Nieto, but you're there. <laughs> Woo, it's Nieto. Wow. So I, I looked you up on YouTube and like watched several interviews and I was listening to how people were pronouncing it. And I was like, okay, well, I think I don't, I don't know. Nieto. So Nieto, what is that, by the way? Uh, it means grandson in Spanish. I am Spanish. Oh, um, okay. yeah. It means grandson? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, all right. All right. I got, and that's all right. And so are your family, are they, where are they from? Well, I'm actually an immigrant to Canada. Um, my entire family and myself, uh, grew up in Venezuela. Oh, really? Okay. All right. You still yeah. have family back there. Do you get to go back and visit? Um, well, I haven't been able to visit in since I was 17. Wow. Uh, that's been a while, but, um, yeah, my entire family's there. I have literally, I think like 68 or 69 first cousins. Really? Like, yeah, I have a huge family uh, and they're all back there. It's only me, my mom and my brother here uh, from my mom's side, at least. You, your mom and your brother. Okay. And when did you uh, move here when you were a little kid or when, how old were you? Yeah. So we actually did a bit of a hopscotch. Um, we lived in Venezuela until I was five, Trinidad and Tobago for a year, then the U.S. for a year. And then we moved to Canada when I was around 10. Okay. Why Canada? I mean, Venezuela is such a warm climate. And then you move to Canada and freeze to death. Well, how'd you get to Canada? <laughs> uh, well, at first, to be, to be frank, my, my parents were trying to figure out, you know, what's the best area to raise our kids in, right? And so they, it was between the um, U.S., Canada, and Australia. Um, oh, and okay. why? I don't really know. But those were kind of their main areas. Okay. And, and living in the U.S., we, uh, I guess my parents had experienced a little bit of, you know, just blatant racism and so they decided really? to go to Canada because mm. Mm. well they had that reputation of being really welcoming and and, and kind and so here I am I see okay great all right and you speak fluent Spanish I do I do okay. all right so back so back to the, your childhood I want to know a little bit more about personal before we get into business so you said your mother your brother and yourself but you said what so dad what's the story with dad he didn't come yeah but well no he did my dad passed away when I was in high school I see. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. What sudden or what, what, what happened? Do you mind sharing? Um, a bit sudden, I would say, uh, yeah, no, he, he passed away from an aneurysm and those are always sudden, you know, you can, anybody can have them and they kind of just, it's like a ticking time bomb. Um, mm. but you know, we, we, he had had cancer beforehand, he had beat it and then he had an aneurysm. So it was very sudden, um, mm. in and out of hospitals for a while, but, um, mm. yeah, mm. I was around mm. uh, 16 or 17. Oh, man, that is that is tough. Uh, the reason I ask about it, I mean, when stuff like that happens to you as a teenager, it really shapes you in like so many ways, right? Oh, man, that made you uh, tough. I mean, like after that, when you're in your early 20s, like nothing phased you probably, right? Whatever you dealt with, you're probably still in your 20s. I don't know how old you are, but like nothing phases you after dealing with something like that. Wow, that was tough. Okay, is your mom, did your mom remarry or no? No, no, but I, I'm like, I want her to get out there. I've been telling her this for years. Um, yeah, it's, uh, she's not there yet, I guess. But um, for, for me, yeah, I agree. Like I, I, a lot of things don't face me, but I think that's part of being an entrepreneur as well. You know, yes. when things get hard, it's kind of one of those, well, you know what? Nobody's died. So like, let's keep going. Right. Isn't that so true? I always, I always tell people, I'm like, look, 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 here's the deal. When you get super stressed out, just imagine you're this little tiny speck on this blue ball floating around in this giant black space. Like really you're insignificant. So stop stressing out so much. 
Yeah, I um, the first time I was actually in uh, in the Arctic and with my first company, and um, everything just went wrong. Just like everything that could go wrong went wrong, and I was in tears, freaking out. Um, and I called one of my mentors at the time, and who's just like, "Look, like you're alive. Nobody else has died, and the world is still spinning. You're gonna well, figure this out." Exactly. Um, so yeah, right. I totally agree. Okay, so walk us into um, so you graduate high school in Canada. How do you decide where to go to school? Talk to us about your degree, your education really quick. Go for it. Yeah, so uh, I was deciding between different business schools, um, including, you know, ones in the States. Uh, and I decided to go to the one I did, Ryerson here in Toronto, because one, it was close to my family and I wasn't quite ready to be that far away. Um, and two, I, I'm very community oriented. Um, and I had looked at other commerce prog programs and they seemed very cutthroat. Um, and that's just mm. not necessarily who I am. Mm. Um, and so I, I went to my university um, before my even first day of class, I ended up joining this like social venture organization for students, uh, mostly because I needed to make friends. Like I had moved out from my, my mom's place and uh, I was new to the city. So just a way to make friends, but I ended up falling in love with it. Um, in my first year, I traveled to Kenya. I did work in India, created my own startup in India, mm. um, came back, did a project in the Arctic. Like I just kind of really dove into social venture space um, and barely went to class, but still graduated, managed <laughs> to do that, got a marketing degree um, and mostly mm. just use entrepreneurship instead. Where did this, where did this social entrepreneurship bug come from? Like, where, where do you think that came from? Um, well, I think it was a big influence of the people I was around. Like every, all my friends were part of this organization and, you know, okay. it, everybody kind of just had this, and maybe it's the millennial thing of like wanting to save the world. I'm sure you've heard <laughs> right. like everybody oh, does, right? Totally. <laughs> so I, I, you get a bunch of millennials, you give them this mission and all of a sudden we were doing projects around the world locally and then nationally as well, just to better the standard of living okay. for different communities while working with communities. And so that's where it came from. But when I really made that decision i was actually in kenya and i was beekeeping with african killer bees at night i'm what? scared of bees i'm not a beekeeper um i was how'd you sign up well, how did how did you sign up <laughs> what, what, what were you like at the bar and somebody's like hey come work with these killer bees you're like okay cool <laughs> uh, basically actually yeah the guy who was running it um he was a beekeeper here in ontario and uh my project had finished for the day and uh, he was like, you want to learn how to, how to beekeep? And I was like, oh, well, you know, why right. not? Um, and so I went and yeah, I, I just remember like hearing the bees all around me uh, and thinking to myself, wow, I never want like a really boring desk job. Like I, I want to do cool, innovative, right. thrilling things um, from whatever mm -hmm. career I end up in. And, and that okay. kind of shaped what I ended okay. up doing next. Okay. Now, now what about, um, the, the drug aspect of cannabis and, and, um, whatever alcohol, whatever other drugs you want to mention psychedelics, were you early on in high school? Were you like, you know, experiencing all of these things or were you like a straight A student or then in college you got wild or like, what, 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 talk to me about that a little bit. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I went to Catholic school, so I oh, was, oh, uh, it was okay. pretty strict growing up. Um, I didn't try any form of any drug or really alcohol until I was like 18, 19. Like I was really? very straight edge. Really? Um, okay. I still skip school all the time, but only because I was part of this other thing that I wanted to spend my time more on. Okay. So, you know, um, but I, so you didn't even try, you didn't even try cannabis until you were in high school or until you were 18. Until, I mean, yeah. <laughs> wow all right go ahead sorry i, I didn't mean to interrupt it go ahead no no worries uh it's always a surprise for everybody because of, of course of the area that i'm in now and <laughs> my love for the for the culture yeah. and the space but uh yeah i started university um and there were definitely i like to say them like a year of experimenting with one specific you know substance just figuring out alcohol or figuring out cannabis like uh -huh. how do uh -huh. i like it how do i not like it blah 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 um a year over year uh and i actually tried my first uh psilocybin trip on my 23rd birthday also um you know kind of in that time frame so you were um, out of college so in college you did the basics right you did all the basic stuff whether cannabis alcohol things like that uh but you hadn't tried mushrooms in college nope okay all right all right so you're 23 okay now 23 now by this time 
you're working. Don't you have like a regular job somewhere or did you already start your own thing by then? What were you doing? I had two full-time jobs. Uh, I, okay. so I started my first company when I was in my first year of university. Um, that was Green Igloo and it was building greenhouses in the most remote parts of Canada, including the Arctic to help okay. address food sovereignty and food security. And so I, I was doing that. And, and even though we had the funding to you know, hire me full time after I graduated, I still felt that I was too young to be a kind of solo entrepreneur, like doing okay. making okay. all the decisions all the time. And so my co-founder, he went full time and I decided I would just do two jobs full time every day for the next several years. What was um, that other job? What was the other job? I had a few. I worked for the government and did entrepreneurship for the province. Okay. Um, so getting entrepreneurial opportunities for for uh, citizens across the province. Then I worked for a um, uh, an accelerator for startups, and uh, then um, okay. I worked right. at a marketing company. That one was just I tried to use my degree. I hated it. <laughs> um, so so I, you were, I, okay. Yeah. So green Igloo, green green igloo was up and running, and you were doing that, but it wasn't. You could have done it full time and paid yourself. You said you could yeah. have, but okay. Okay. But you did these other jobs. All right. So you're busier than hell. Are you single at the time? Like, are you live, like, where are you? Are oh you yeah. Like, I did not little, date what? throughout the entire time. You can't date when you're running, like when you're, you know, you okay. have a full-time business, you have a full-time job. Okay. All right. And then you're in these, let me guess, you're, you're working in these greenhouses and like some plant expert person is introduces you to, to mushrooms. Is that what happened? Uh, I actually get that question a lot, and but no, not at all. Um, oh. I was just really curious about it. I had heard a lot about different trips and how it had changed people's lives and how, you yeah. know, like, it's just this transformative experience one way or another. Um, and so for my 23rd birthday, I, did, I don't know, I just decided this is the activity I want to do with friends. And it was all really? our first times. It was like five people trying <laughs> mushrooms for the first time. What? Oh, what, are, what are you guys like sitting around going, hey, guys, I know we could like on my birthday. Let's all get together and do like that's how it happened. That's it, really how it happened. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. So did team. you even know, did you even know where to get them? Did you know? Anything I didn't about them? know. Did you know. I had to, to like <laughs> I had to ask like three different people. Then I searched on Reddit. Like, what are you supposed to do the first time? And then I mean, of course, we made mistakes. One of my friends who's, you know, like double or triple my height. Um, he was just like, I feel nothing. You know, and oh. so I'm going to take more the number one mistake that people make. Yes. Um, he ended up doing, I think, like three or four grams the first time we ever did them. Is and that not good? I have no idea. Is that is that a bunch for your first so time? For a first time, normally you do between uh, either under a gram or like a gram to two grams, depending on how you react to, you know, different like cannabis or other types of substances. Right. Okay. Um, three grams is like a regular trip for somebody that is you know used to a, a psychedelic experience okay when you get into like the three to four you're you're you're, you're testing yourself and then once you get to the mm. five that's kind of like you know a bit of a hero dose it's a hero dose i like you're that gonna, <laughs> you're gonna see some stuff you're gonna hear some stuff <laughs> now how do but how do i know what a gram is like what do I, what if i don't even know how to measure like what, i'm looking at a little piece of mushroom like how do i know what a gram is Honestly, uh, it depends on where you're getting it. Okay. <laughs> Most people, right. they'll give okay. you a certain amount and you can kind of tell based on the, you know, what it comes in, like they'll label it for you. Oh. You, can, you can weigh it, right? You can I, get one of those little scales and weigh it yourself. Um, yeah, it, and it, but then it goes back to also what type of mushrooms mm, you're getting. So back uh, then, mm. right, I just... Uh, you, you can get me mushrooms. Okay, I'll take whatever you have, <laughs> right? And then uh, now it's like, oh, there's different strains and different strains have different strengths and gotcha. they might give you a different, a bit of a different effect. And there's so much more nuance to it once you get into the world of it. But at the beginning, yeah, you're kind of just whatever I you're get. Like, again, what, hope for whatever. <laughs> so funny. You just reminded me what it was like when I was in college with weed, right? It's like you, you had weed or you didn't have weed. There was no we didn't talk about like, well, what kind is that? What strain is that? How strong yeah. is that? There was none of those conversations. Like, oh, it has weed. Okay, let's smoke some. And so, and I remember going into my first pot store in Colorado when it got legal and they're like, it's talking to me about all these flavors and strains and everything. I'm like, huh, what? I don't, uh, yeah, cool, I guess. <laughs> so mushrooms are the yep, same that's way. exactly it. All right, all right. So you guys do the, you, all right. So so was how was that first dosing? Was it, was it you were like, wow, this is changing my life or or what? Yeah, no, it uh, it definitely did um, in, in three different ways. The first okay. being at the time, the reason I also kind of wanted to do it, not only for the group setting, I thought it'd be a good time, but also at the time 
I was considering leaving the one of the jobs that I had, not Rena Glue, but the full-time gig. And okay. I was like, should I, should I not? I had just mm -hmm. uh, bought my first place on my own. And I was mm. just like, you know, I have a mortgage now. Do I leave the safety of, of this job? Do I go, you know, what do I do? So there, mm -hmm. and I, I came out of that trip understanding that I did want to leave and what I wanted to do next. So that was, you know, really helpful. So let me pause right there. Cause I think mm -hmm. that's important right there. Let's take a deep breath right there. So what you're telling me is that first dosing truly helped you think, think through what you wanted to do with your life next. I mean, it really had that big of an effect on you. It always does. Um, I've, I've only, honestly, I've only taken maybe 10 trips maximum throughout since then. Like I only do it maybe once or twice a year. And it's only usually when I have like a, a decision that I need to make or uh, I need guidance in something. Um, and, and so, yeah, normally the decisions are pretty big. Um, and I have like, left jobs or chosen to do something else or worked on a relationship with you know family or friends like taken action after the fact wow okay that's good i want well, all right we'll talk a little bit more about that but go ahead but tell me there right, so what you so you came out of it you're like okay i want to know i know what i want to do next go and walk us into kind of the rest of your walk us into the rest of your career now just a little bit go ahead yeah, well, I mean, the next thing that I kind of took from that trip specifically was, um, you know, I loved being able to talk people through their trips, even though it was my first trip as well. Um, I had friends who, you know, one of them had said uh, like something that was a little bit, you know, like darker. And I, I could see on his face that like, like something's happening in your mind right now. And so, you know, we kind of went on a walk and I talked him through it a little bit more and, you know, kind of got him more uplifted for the trip itself because I mean at the end of the day like those trips can really unlock a lot of things whether happy or dark like they can mm. and so I learned mm. that about myself and how much I love guide work and and you know have being mm. there for others and mm. again it goes mm. back to my whole like I love community stuff but um it, it also I guess kind of relates to my career now part of the the reason of like you know what I do right now in the mushroom space is the company I work for is very community-based and very how can I help you on a day-to-day -day basis right um and all of these learnings about myself really came from the various trips that I've had in particular the first how, all right so can I ask you the guide thing is that necessary do you have to have a guide like, what if you do, what if you're by yourself? Does it mean you're going to trip out and freak out and see things crawling on the ceiling? And what, 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 why do you have to have a guide? You don't have to. Um, that's the simple answer. You, you really don't. Um, with that said, you know, depending on people's comfort level with, you know, trying new, new things, it's not even like new substances. It's, you know, trying a new roller coaster by yourself. It's, do you like having somebody there with you? Do you not? Um, it's, it's just a comfort level thing. And so mm. I personally enjoy guide work. I've actually never done a guided trip myself, but it's definitely on my to-do list. Um, but it, you don't have to do it guided. I just enjoy being there in an informal manner for anybody who might want a little bit of support during their trip. What is okay? I keep I keep trying to go back to the career, but then we go back to the mushrooms. That's okay. So it's fascinating because it's a fascinating conversation. Uh, the guide. Okay, does the guide keep you? What's the primary purpose to keep you from over freaking out or possibly hurting yourself or falling down or walking down some stairs? Like, what what is the overall purpose of the guide? Um, I think it's important to clear up that when you try psilocybin on a you know a regular dose of one gram, two gram, like we discussed previously, you're not I feel like the media has hyper, you know, sensationalized mm. what the experience is. Mm -hmm. Most of the time I like to describe it as you're seeing the world that has patterns through a frequency. So imagine like a radio frequency that kind of goes like this. Okay. That's how patterns will look. But people and other like things that are stagnant, they will not look any different. Um, mm. So you won't fall down the stairs. You won't, you know, okay. jump off anywhere like that. That, that won't happen. Um, okay. With that said, a guide there purpose definitely differs depending on the trip and the person. So some people, you know, they go to guides and they do guide work in terms of uh, looking at trauma and trying to find a way to get through their trauma, right? Um, and, and work through some of their issues. And usually these guides have a background in psychology, like they, they they're trained for those type of situations versus other guides, right? They mm -hmm. might actually just guide you in the sense of walking you through having a good trip, 
right? They might facilitate having an art station so you can draw and paint. They might curate your playlist. So like you're listening to some good Beatles while you're on your trip. They might, you know, say, let's go to this specific area because I know that it's beautiful during this time of year. Like it really changes. Guide work is very diverse. Um, but, it, and that's why it means that you don't necessarily need a guide, right? Mm. It depends on what you prefer. I got to be honest, the fact that the guides exist actually is what scare me from doing it. Like, so just for the audience, you know, I have no problem telling the audience, like I've done plenty of cannabis in my time, but I've never tried mushrooms. And I have friends that do mushrooms on a regular basis. Uh, in fact, we've, we've done recruiting work for companies that are involved in psilocybin, um, but I've never done it. And I think one of the reasons I haven't is because I've heard about, I guess the two words that scare me are trip, as in I'm going on a trip and guide. And, and I'm like, okay, well, man, I don't know if I want to do something that I actually have to have a guide for. Does it, do, do I need a guide? Cause I'm going to freak out that bad. And the guy's got it like that. That actually is what scares me. Maybe that's weird. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's a weird thing to say, but that's how that terminology has affected me and why I haven't done it yet. Maybe I should stop worrying about that and just start with one gram and it'll be fine. Is that, is that what I hear you saying? <laughs> yeah, I, that's exactly it. And uh, we, we, so, and, we can potentially cut this out later, but we are coming out with um, intention cards as oh. a way to, um, and like it's coming out in January or February. But so you don't know, like, we don't know if you can actually announce it yet. We got to, we'll have to. Exactly. We'll see if we can. Uh, let we me, can let me, it. let me. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Just in case we got to cut it out. I'll make a note here, but go ahead. Uh, we're coming out with intention cards. So for those people that don't necessarily have access to a guide or don't want one, um, you know, you can set your intention at the beginning of the day with these cards and then have kind of flashcards that remind you of what you set your intention to be. And that mm. way it helps you in case, you know, it's kind of your, oh my gosh, maybe I'm going down this other path of thought process. Look at my flashcard. Oh yeah, I want to think about that immediate shift, right? Interesting, um, interesting. So okay, all right. There's, um, and there's also uh, for that type of situation, there's this organization that we're working with, Fireside Chat. I'm obsessed with them because it's kind of a, a hotline that you can call if you're freaking out. So you can really? like pre-program it in your phone <laughs> in case like, you know, have it as your like top uh, favorites. Before you I, do love the I love and it. I love it. And call them. But see, now, okay, now <laughs> I love what you just said. All right. Flashcards and a hotline number. I think those are both great ideas. But you saying that actually scares me more. I'm like, holy shit. I got, I'm going to take something where I need, fly, I need flashcards for. I mean, I don't know, man. <laughs> it totally so. depends on the person. I personally, so again, I've never done a guided trip. I generally am a optimistic type of person. I, I'm also a, a huge fan of horror movies. Like I personally See? am not okay. um, like a, a, a horror person. Like I'm not going to get scared very easily. And so for okay. me, it's very easy to like talk myself out of a negative thought, right? Okay. But if somebody, for example, is more prone to those and they're kind of scared, then yeah, get a guide or have the fireside chat kind of open ready right. to go, right? It really depends right. on how well you know yourself. Okay, now I'm so, all <laughs> right. I'm so glad you mentioned that. I don't mind confessing this as well because my wife cannot get me to watch a scary movie. I mean, I just will not watch a scary movie because I'll get, then I get scared later, you know? Uh, all right, all my friends that listen to this are gonna make fun of me later, but it's okay. Anyway, my, my point is, that's another reason I haven't done the drug. That's another reason I haven't done it. It's because I'm like, man, I get scared easy. I don't wanna- <laughs> Don't do it at night. That's okay. my advice to you because okay. shadows look weird at night. Um, mm. And two, again, you won't see things. You won't see like a thing that's not there. Um, the closest thing I've gotten to that was uh, I was at a, um, I took it on an island and there was like the kids area. And you know, they have those like little cartoons of, and like their cutouts. <laughs> in the yeah. I saw this bear and the bear's eyes looked super creepy to me. And I was like, nope, <laughs> like can't look at that. <laughs> Walked away, didn't look at it any further. Um, but again, it's a pattern based like frequency movement thing so everything else will look normal unless it has a pattern in it this okay, is why now, people mostly do it in nature i see now i've been challenging on all the stuff that i'm scared about tell me about all the the, the positives like let's talk about the benefits for a minute we'll switch gears yeah eventually I mean, eventually we'll eventually we get to guello but but <laughs> but uh talk to me about the positives okay let, let's say it doesn't scare me let's say i have a good trip and all that 
Talk to me about the benefits. What is it going to do for me? Well, for one, um, it might help you understand yourself a bit more. Um, okay. I, I think when we, when you have a trip, uh, and it's not just a me thought, it's, it's kind of what culture is, is you have ego death. So you don't think of yourself as, you know, just the only person you think of, like, it's not just me, 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 all of mm -hmm. a sudden, it's almost like you're separated from yourself. Mm -hmm. And you mm -hmm. can have some clarity around me in relation potentially to the earth, me in relation to okay. my loved ones, to my partner, to my friends, to my job, but it's, it's almost separated. So you can see a little bit more clearly as to what does you as a person actually want and need, okay. right? Okay. So you might learn about yourself in a variety of different ways um, with some, I, I, you know, it can also help you heal. Uh, there's a reason that people might use this for related trauma or for their mental health. It might help you heal in terms of anything that you're facing on a day-to-day -day basis. Some people there, you know, I think it's the John Hopkins um, study. They, some people have said that it's the most transformative moment in their lives. It's helped like I've heard something that. instead of taking an antidepressant every single day, they did one mushroom trip and well, they're feeling happy on a daily basis. You know, they, mm. they, they're able to go back to that place that they felt that one time and, and, and pull from it as a source of strength and support. Mm. Um, so changing your life in one way or another. Um, and that's very, so transformation is one huge positive. I'll, I'll bucket all of it under there. Okay. Uh, and the other side is it can be just a really great time, mm. you know, like it can be, you get the giggles, at least I do. Um, and yeah. you, you see the world a little differently. You get a little bit more creative, you know, you, you want to sing mm. and dance and paint and, and mm. try mm. things with a, almost like a, a childlike imagination. Okay. Um, and, and that can be when in our day-to-day -day life, that can be, you know, spreadsheets and doing stuff that like errands and laundry and overwhelming stuff that is just day to day this can really help break it up and and give you that wonder state that is hard to get back to what about sleep what about relaxation is it not really for that i mean like you know for example sometimes i'll do uh some indica cannabis to sleep better at night um is it for that or not really um, I mean, you'll feel, uh, so I personally, so there's a variety of different psychedelics as well, right? So personally for me, uh, with mushrooms specifically, I do, I, I feel very tired at the end of my trip. I like, I, okay. I'm like, okay, I am ready to go to bed. Like, I'm, I and I will sleep very soundly. Mm -hmm. Um, but for example, with things like, oh, did we cut out? There we go. No. Nope. Uh, with yep. something like LSD, right? I personally feel that at the end of it, I get this like burst of energy. I and see. I'm, I'm just, I'm like, let's do more stuff. Like, let's, you know, do more, um, not LSD, but other things. <laughs> um, and, uh, so I don't know if it's necessarily not all psychedelics are for sleep, uh, relaxation. Absolutely. Uh, my first trip on LSD was actually with my best friend on that Island with a weird bear. Um, and we ended up just laying on the beach for hours, just sun tanning, like enjoying the weather completely relaxed as if I went to acupuncture like 20 minutes before like mm. I was just in a sense of bliss so mm -hmm. you can absolutely use it for relaxation okay now how about this talk to me about the legalities of this like is it legal where do I get it how do I buy it what do I do I live in the U.S. what do I do just treat me like I know nothing what do, what do I do if I want to if I want to go down and get two grams of mushrooms and try it what do I do where do I go well, it is still illegal across the U.S., so that would be very tough it's for me to see. illegal across the U.S. still, okay. But it is decriminalized in a few, I think five or six states. I think six okay. states as of this morning. I put it on my Instagram. Um, and, and so what that means is that while you can't necessarily go to a store and like pick up two grams of, you know, a specific type of mushroom strain, mm -hmm. you can, however, um, like if you are able to procure it, you, if you are found with it in those states, um, you won't be, you know, for example, charged, right? Um, again, I'm not in the state, so I don't know on the, like the practice of will they, will they not, you know, actualize that decriminalization? Like, I, I don't know how that will work. Is Colorado um, one of those? Is Colorado one of these? Denver, yeah. <laughs> oh, just Denver. Just Denver. Just Denver. Denver oh, just and Denver. Oakland. 
I think. Oh. But I don't know if Oakland. So I can't. So Colorado. so you can't go. You can't go to the mountains with it. You got to be inside Denver city limits. Uh, that I would have to double check on. Okay. I'm not a U.S. Uh, uh, resident, uh, so. <laughs> All right. Well, but how do I get it though? What do I got to call Johnny down the street and like secretly knock on the door with the secret code and get in and buy it? Or what, what do I got to do? So from what I've heard, uh, that is one way, you know, you know, a guy who knows a guy who knows a girl who knows, you know, um, there's definitely that way. Uh, but from what I've heard, other companies that are kind of operating in the more gray market. So they are essentially selling under the table. What they've started doing is, you know, have this like I'm trying to grab something. There we go. Yeah. Grab this yeah. block of wood for a hundred bucks, and for free, I'm gonna give you this baggie of shrimp. So I'm not selling it to you because that's illegal. <laughs> but I'm giving see. it to you for free, uh, and you're buying this uh, other thing. I see. Oh. Can you do that? At the, can, can you do that at a cannabis store right now in, in Colorado? Probably not. Probably um, not. in a cannabis store. Yeah. In if you Colorado? went to like a, if you if you went to if you went to a dispensary in Colorado, can you do that with mushrooms or no? Um, it depends if they're offering it. Oh, okay. I don't know. Right? I, don't know the, I, don't, I don't know the rules on it. I probably should. Okay. Why can't, why can't I just go up to the mountains and pick a mushroom in the forest and, and use those? What, 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 is that not the same? <laughs> so this is one of my favorite things. So there is a whole culture of people who grow their own, right? Or they okay. pick them up from the mountains. Like okay. that, that, that exists. Right. Um, and so my thing, cause it's still legal technically. So I'm like, if I'm growing it in my backyard, like, is there going to be some sort of enforcement that's going to come in and be like, right. hey, let me check out your backyard? <laughs> that's just, it seems odd. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, it's, it's kind of one of those, your personal safety, comfort, what the risk level do you want to take, right? Okay. Um, okay. And everybody's differs. Uh, one quick thing, though, I think that is important to mention that I think everybody would find fascinating is that a lot of people grow mushrooms out of the uh, Uncle Ben's rice. Like, it's like a whole culture phenomenon, which I really? learned about earlier this year. And I was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a thing. It's a part of the subculture. Okay. Interesting. Uh, but, but what about the mountain mushrooms? I probably shouldn't eat those, right? Some of them could kill me. I don't know. I don't know anything about it. Some of them could kill you. Absolutely. You should pick up a mushroom book and, and figure out how okay. to tell the difference uh, okay. between them. Could, can, some of them in the can some of them in the mountains get you high? Possibly. Um, there's over, right. so there's over, I think four or 5,000 strains of mushrooms, not just psychedelic, but like 5, just mushrooms. Jesus Christ. Um, so yes, some of them may kill you. <laughs> There's, I know there's psilocybin people that are going to be listening to this, this episode going, God, he's just totally ignorant to the whole thing. Cause I got a friend, Del Jolly. He's my buddy of mine. He's in the space and he'll probably listen to this and be like, holy shit, bro. You need to educate yourself more. <laughs> uh, do you, okay. Uh, thank you for all of that. Before we do a Guella overview, I want to ask you two questions about drugs in general. Should drugs be illegal across the board? Would you, if you, if you had the power across planet earth to decriminalize all drugs, would you do it? It's a great question. Um, and my answer would probably be yes. With that said, I think if you are going to legalize all drugs, then you absolutely need to have support systems for said substances. Um, you know, the, there's, uh, my best friend, she actually works in, you know, in, well, in drugs, uh, but decriminalizing drugs and supporting people who are facing addiction and all the, of these types of situations, people who are facing homelessness as a result of their addictions. And a lot of what we talk about is the fact that if you're going to, you can't just restrict it. People are still going to access drugs, but the drugs that they're accessing are going to be of lesser quality because at the end of the day, there's no rigid way to test their drugs that mm -hmm. they're getting, right? Mm -hmm. And so if mm -hmm. you're at least legalizing it, one, you're keeping your community consumption safer. And two, when you're able to discuss it and use it in plain sight, one, you can create places to do that in a safer environment. You can use tools that have been sterilized. You can provide support systems because you understand which people are on which types of drugs and support them in a way that allows them to be a contributing member to society right mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. by legalizing drugs you can only do good um mm -hmm. and so that that's that's my stance on it but again support systems are required so 
you know, it's interesting. I grew up in a very conservative religious atmosphere in Oklahoma. Right. And, uh, even still my, my family and my mom, they're all, you know, they're all totally against any, 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 any drug. Right. Um, but I tell you, you know, as I've gotten older and I've lived around the country and now I've lived in Colorado for 16 years, I really just, I know this may make a lot of people mad, but I just think the war on drugs is just, it's just like, you're not, people are going to do what they're going to do and they're going to get it one way or another. <laughs> and so I kind of, these days, as I get older and a little more relaxed, my general attitude is look, man, if you want to like shoot heroin up your arm and spin around in your front yard until you fall down, like, I really don't care. Like whatever your floats your boat, like I really don't, I really don't care. So uh, generally I I'm leaning more and more and more towards. Yeah. Decriminalizing uh, drugs. Like you said, the right support systems, uh, protection for minors on certain things, I think, you know, and things like that. But uh, yeah, trying to stop people from doing things is, is a waste of time. Meanwhile, meanwhile, opioids, sugar and caffeine and all these other drugs across the planet. <laughs> I mean, the reality is sugar and caffeine are the two most addictive, most used drugs on planet Earth and nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I feel I feel the same way. And also that there's there's a spectrum to drug usage, right? Like when people think of uh, at least I used to, I, I used to think that, you know, when I thought of a heroin user, I would think somebody who was spinning out and was likely experiencing homelessness as a result of addiction. Yeah. And I had this yeah. preconceived notion of what these people right. were and who they were. Right. And then getting more into literature and studies and, and, and data, I was like, you know, some people are addicted to heroin are, you know, professors at universities, but they That's use right. them to download, right? Like they, they, it's not this, like, it doesn't take over their life, but they're still yeah. addicted the same way that you have functioning al alcoholics. Like yes. th there's a spectrum. Um, and so, yeah, I just think overall support is absolutely needed across the board, regardless of what drug it is, whether it's sugar or heroin support. Agreed. Um, another, here's another question for you. What about this? Again, you have you have the power on planet earth. What would you do with this one? If you could release every person in jail for a cannabis crime, would you? Oh my God. Yeah. So, that's not even a question. Absolutely. <laughs> that is insane to me. The, when, when right? cannabis was legalized in Canada, there was, I was part of the celebrations. I just, it was insane to me that, um, it could be illegal. Well, alcohol that can have so many more worse causes both on your on your health, on your relationships, on your communities is completely legal, sold in our grocery stores. And then you had cannabis that was just like this down low, can't do it, can't talk about it thing. It was just like the worst you, that will happen is you get a little hungry. Like, <laughs> you know, it just, I mean, of course people can create dependencies. Like uh, People can have dependencies on, 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 people can have dependencies on everything. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, no, that is an absolute yes. You know, I think, um, I think it really is sad. And uh, what's another word I want to use? Um, just really, um, it's terrible that people in states right now, today, yesterday, are being arrested for cannabis and put in jail. I mean, Right now in Texas, yesterday in Texas, I'm sure there were hundreds of people arrested for miscellaneous bullshit cannabis things. And there's there's people getting put in jail for, you know, having a bag of weed in, in Texas and some of these other states. I just like that is just that's terrible. I mean, you're telling me that you can drive 50 miles across the border in Colorado and do whatever you want. And then you go 50 miles in the other direction on planet Earth and they're going to put you in jail like that. That is just. I have a really hard time wrapping my brain around why we're doing that. I think that somebody's got to, somebody's got to fix that soon. I think uh, the word you're looking for is despicable. Um, despicable is good. <laughs> yeah. I, and I agree with you. It's, it's absolutely insanity to me. And it, to me personally, it's like, do you have too, many, too much time on your hands? Like, why are you focusing on these things instead of right, right. that type of 
um, you know, search and enforcement. Why don't we use that time and capital and use it into supporting our communities, looking at ways to improve sustainably, work with our communities to find different ways to uplift our communities, right? Good. It's yes. just, uh, yeah. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I'll finish that topic off with, uh, I had to drive to Oklahoma for a funeral recently where my family lives. And, you know, I get down there, I'm checking into the hotel and get my stuff out of my car or whatever. And I realized like, I got, I got cannabis in the Jeep, right? It's in my glove box. I, I got it around a little bit, you know, here and there. And uh, I didn't even think about it, right? Like it, it never even crossed my mind. To like, ooh, let me make sure I get all the cannabis out before I drive to an illegal state. Like I never, I never even thought about that. And then I get down there and I'm like, oh, oh, oh shit. Okay. Uh, was this supposed to be in here? Can I be arrested? I don't know. And you know, yeah, it's terrible. We got to, we got to, we got to fix that. Okay. I want to move. Uh, so tell me about Guella, how you got in it and then give us the, give us the overview of Guella. Go for it. For sure. So I last summer, you know, pandemic is raging. Um, I felt that the, where my career was at, I was working on Green Igloo full time um, and I finally had just one full time job. Um, and I realized I started it when I was like a kid. Right. Like I, I, I started it. I never thought it would become this full blown business with like employees and operations across the nation. And I never I never dreamt that big for it. And my life was now all in this space and in greenhouses and these very important topics that are, are essential to our communities, food sovereignty, food security, and indigenous communities. And I realized that, you know, I had done this for so long, eight, basically eight years at that point. Um, and I asked myself, did I want to continue to have my career there? Right. Mm -hmm. um, and I had never really questioned that. I, it was just something I, I did. It was, it was mm -hmm. who I was. Um, and actually on, on a, on a psilocybin trip, I asked myself that question. That was my intention. I was like, is this right for me? Is this the right path? And what I came out with was it wasn't, it was no longer my passion. It had been my passion when I was 19. And so I started, I, I wasn't looking for a new job. I was more so curious about the psilocybin space because I was such an advocate for it on the down low at the time. I, you know, I, I was just such a fan. Um, and I spoke to a bunch of people in the space uh, got a few job offers here and there, but nothing really aligned with who I was, right? A lot of companies in the space are very like dollar size in their eyes. Like this is a gold rush, you know, it's going to be legalized in the next few years. Let's, yeah. you know, do all these things for it. And, and that's not who I am. Um, and okay. so I, I spoke to the Guella team um, who, who was P, my co-founder at the time. It was basically like two, three guys and, um, and they aligned. They, they, everything that came out of Pete's mouth, I was like, oh my God, like, yes, like that's who I am. That's what I believe in. These are my values. Um, and so I, I told them straight up, I was like, look, I think you need some operations on your team. I think you need somebody to kind of lead that day-to-day -day execution. And I'm that person. Like I, I know myself, I, I know I can do it. Had they already started um, the company or they were thinking about forming it and then you formed it with them and became a co-founder? Uh, a bit of the latter. It had been, it had been. They registered the name a year prior, and they were starting their first raise at the time. Okay. Um, so no product yet, no, no, nothing built out yet. Uh, and so, yeah, they were they were keen. Um, and so I joined as a co-founder, um, and we started working together on making Guella a reality. And so for for everybody listening, Guella is a mushroom company. And so what that means is while we are all lovers of psychedelics, of course they are illegal and we are not a gray market operator. And so we are working in the functional mushroom space until legalization does occur. Uh, and we come out with mushroom based products, content and tools. Um, so the first product that we have mimics a microdose of psilocybin, which we didn't talk about, but basically, you know, it looks like this. I don't know if your viewers will see this, but that's it. Okay. Um, okay. They're super cute packaging, um, but they're little gummies that give you the same effect that a psilocybin microdose would. So that uplift in mood. The but what's in it? But, but hold on. But what, hold on. What's in it? What do you mean? Like, a, a, so what do you mean? What does that mean? Like, a... there's ingredients that are stack, uh, which is functional mushrooms, nootropics, um, other good types of ingredients. I can read it off for you if you'd like. But no, um, but there's, but mushrooms aren't in it. Mushrooms aren't in it. Not psilocybin. There's other mushrooms. Okay. 
There's other mushrooms that build up our functional stack that, again, those mushrooms have the properties that are able to mimic the same type of effect that a microdose of psilocybin does. Hold on. Okay. Uh, okay. Okay. Now I want to make sure I stop right here because I don't want to get confused. Are you telling me that you've created something that has mushrooms in it, but not psilocybin that will still get me high? Is that accurate? No. Sorry, uh, that's confusing. Okay, um, <laughs> you will. It's it's a it's a mushroom based product, not illegal mushrooms. So functional mushrooms, which are things like reishi or chaga or you know the adaptogenic type of mushrooms that okay. are available at your like local health food store. I see. Right? I see. Like I lion's see. mane. Okay. Um, and then stacked to with other types of nootropics to essentially create a blend that mimics the effects of a psilocybin microdose, but without any of the illegal ingredients, that way you won't get in trouble for buying it. Like but when you, say mimic, when you say mimic, <laughs> when you say mimics effects, mimics, mimics all the effects except for being high. So in a microdose of psilocybin, you won't get hot. You won't oh, like oh, see I stuff, see. you won't. Okay. Like that, you that, that so that's what I mean. Like, regardless, uh, if you're doing a microdose of psilocybin, you shouldn't okay. be getting high. People do okay. it for like work, so they oh, should not be high. Whoa, 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 whoa! Now I understand. Thank you for educating this, this ignorant guy on this. Okay, now I got it. Okay, all right, cool. So you're a product company, and you're developing some products that don't have a psilocybin in them yet because it's not legal yet. But you're, but in the background, are you preparing and working on all the products that do have a psilocybin? So as soon as it becomes legal, boom, you hit the market. That is the plan. Yes, um, we do plan to eventually get into the space. Um, but of course, until then, we are not. And so our product essentially right now just kind of mimics the effects. And I mean, again, that kind of the mood, energy, cognition, um, and people use it whether they're trying to, I find there's two buckets of people that use it. Either one, they can't access psilocybin microdosing. And so they use our product as like a supp- like a one for one replacement. Or other people who just don't care about, you know, psilocybin in any way, shape, or form, but they use our product as almost like a replacement or um, an aid to coffee. So they have their coffee in the morning, they'll have a mojo in the afternoon, or they'll just have two mojos in the morning and have no coffee whatsoever. Okay. Right? Okay. So. Okay. But you're going, a, okay. Okay. Yeah. But you're going to be a product company. That's their primary goal. Is a CPG company for wholesale, retail, both? Both. Yes. We are a CPG oh. company, wholesale, wholesale and retail. Okay. And by the way, for the listeners, it's guellamushrooms.com, right? Guellamushrooms.com. Now you're tripping me out with this website, with the main page, with the way the leaves are moving and everything. It's making me, I, <laughs> I feel like, I, I feel like I'm high right now. No, I'm just playing. I like it though. <laughs> okay. Can you legally do R and D and prepare psilocybin products in a lab somewhere, even though you're not selling it? Can you like prepare this stuff how does that work yeah so also just a quick uh note it's also so well as our main parent company but mojo is mojo.shop that's the that's the the site but with that said um in terms of r&d um there are there is licensing uh now available at least in canada and i believe in the u.s as well for companies to apply to do research and development Uh, with the scheduled substances that is known as psilocybin as well as other um, you know, different types of psychedelic properties. Um, okay. So All right. that does exist. And, and for us, you know, we're, we're working with partners to be able to do that research as we don't have the license yet ourselves, mm-hmm. but that's Got not it. to say that we won't. <laughs> so I see. we're kind of in the process. You're in the process. Are you, are you in a series? Are, do you want to mention any cash raise? Are you looking for investors? Do you, are you guys raising cash right now? Are you in series A? What talk to me about cash? Yeah, so we did a few seed rounds. Uh, those were successful, and you know we raised more than we, we were oversubscribed, which was amazing for us. Great, we were incredibly great. proud. Okay. Um, but we are going to be doing uh, a Series A later on in 2022. Um, if anybody is interested in kind of following that story, we have our investor site, which is meetguela.com. Um, meetguela.com. Meetguela.com for investors. Okay, thank you. Yeah, and All we'll right. be posting a lot of um, our our story and what what is going to be happening around there. Okay, very good. Now, uh, so right now you're quote burning cash that you raise because you're not you don't have any revenue. Um, are you getting paid? Are you doing this for free? Or are they paying you? 
First of all, we are making money. We're we're live with Mojo across the states. Um, oh, oh, so you are. Oh, so you are post revenue. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Sorry. All right. So you are. How do I buy that product? Where what what site do? I, yeah. Mojo shop, and also um, uh, we're gonna be on Amazon in January, as well as Ooh. we're in store in Miami, New York, and Oklahoma. Since you visit Oklahoma. Oh. <laughs> yeah, we're there in friendly market. What a great way to drive some revenue early on before psilocybin becomes legal. Good idea. Ooh, good move. Thank I like you. it. Yeah, good, good move. Was that your idea? That's a good one. <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a team effort. Um, uh, and again, like we're just we're big fans of our own product. Ah, <laughs> uh, and your investors love the fact that you got some revenue coming in now, coming in now too. So you're not just burning straight cash. So when you met these guys, uh, your other co-founders, uh, guys, girls, whatever, are, are, are were you like, hey, listen? You guys got great idea. You're super creative. You know the product, but I'm an operations expert. I'm going to organize you. I'm going to make sure that the train's on time and together we can do this. Is that how it went down? Uh, I actually looked through one of our early decks and I pointed out spelling mistakes and said that they needed somebody organized <laughs> enough to be able to find those. Um, <laughs> and, and that's how I joined. Um, it was uh, a good fit. They are. Uh, I, I'm. I'm very much like day to day execution. Like make sure the the train's running on time. And it. I, my one of my co-founders, Pete. He's the big ideas. Like where are we going to yeah. be in ten years, five years? Like let's get to X amount of revenue in next year. Like let's you know do all these big things. And I'm like, okay, how are we going to do that on a daily basis? <laughs> um, and That's it's a great. Really partnership. You know, that's a wonderful thing, by the way. And just, you know, for the listeners, for the entrepreneurial listeners, if you have on the co-founding team, if you have a creative strategy person along with a operational tactical person that can actually get the shit done, <laughs> you know, I mean, that really just makes up a great team, right? Okay, very good. Anything else you want to say about Guella? Any, any, any other websites? Any other thing that we need to know about Guella? Well, I think the biggest thing is that Right now in the psychedelic space, in the mushroom space, um, you are seeing a boom of companies and products and content and tools. And everybody I find is doing it two ways. It's either, you know, super hyper medicalized, like we're going to have you do trips in a, in a medical setting or recreational, like go to a cottage with your friends or go to a party. And, you know, there's that, those two kind of spaces and where Guella is, we're right in the middle. And that's kind of how we have branded ourselves. We're kind of the day-to-day -day wellness mushroom company. Um, mm -hmm. Our entire purpose is to do day-to-day -day stuff, right? And so everything that we come out with is with that goal. And again, very community-based, very community-focused. How can we both uplift ourselves, our communities and our consumers? I have one last question for you. No, we're out of time here. By the way, I'm going to send you my address so that you can send me some samples of the super secret psilocybin product you're working on in the background in the lab. And if you'd like <laughs> to <do it. laughs> uh, last question, Stephanie. And by the way, really, really cool story. Appreciate you being on the show and sharing your personal journey and telling us about Guella. I have one last question for you. What is your, if you had to define your core purpose in life, and put that into a sentence. What does that sound like for you? That's a great question. And I've asked myself that many times. Um, I think what that sentence would come down to is something along the lines of trying to make a positive impact in the lives of people around me and the communities that I frequent local all the time. Very good. Stephanie, thank you so much. Appreciate you being on the show and sharing your story. Thank you so much.